Good morning and welcome to the name of Jesus. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. It is the last Sunday that we in a worship service that we're going to sing hallelujahs until Easter. And so, uh, and by the way, that means I can't start our service with Christ is risen. I know you're practicing that you can't say for the next 40 days or thereabouts. Um, t- so today we look at, at uh, where Jesus goes up to the mountain. He takes three of his disciples, and, and one of them being Peter. And Peter, uh, which is a, our epistle lesson for today, talks about it, talks about what he saw. You also hear it in the gospel lesson. And our P- Peter will be, Second Peter will be our, our text for today, our sermon text. And uh, as always, uh, um, when Peter talks, it's really good for us to listen. I know that's E.F. Hutton, but Peter's better. And because uh, he often gets things or puts things in a way that kind of makes us go, huh? And that's just who Peter is, which makes it good because that means he's really real. Because I'm sure that when I say things, sometimes they go, huh? What is he even talking about? Um, because that's me also. Um, so we pray that uh, through the our hymns today, through our songs, through the readings, most certainly through the body and blood of Jesus uh, that we received this morning at the altar, that uh, your faith is strengthened. Um, If uh, you need physical or spiritual or mental healing, that God might bless you with that today through all that we we hear in his powerful word. And, uh, And it is a celebration. So sing, lift your voices especially when you get to those hallelujahs today. Let's begin with our opening hymn, hymn number 414, Tis Good Lord to Be Here. Thank you. 
In one sense, this, the transfiguration of our Lord provides a sort of climax to the first part of the story of Jesus in our liturgical year. In the glorious vision, Moses and Elijah appear as if to prove that everything written in the Bible, in the law, and in the prophets has come true in the advent and appearance of Jesus. True God begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man born of the Virgin Mary. Yet, the climatic event is not yet the true and complete climax of the story. But a transition now into the season of Lent and the road to the true climax. The cross of Good Friday, the resurrection of Easter, his ascension into heaven, and the sending of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. There is so much more to tell. This brief glimpse of glory in Peter's eyewitness account is to give us strength and encouragement now to bring the story to completion in us that we become witnesses in possession of the glorious hope of eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please rise. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. That we may enter into the holy presence of Christ. Let us confess our sins that we may be made the righteousness of God. We confess. We have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We sing, He is exalted.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Well, good morning. morning. (laughs) The Old Testament lesson for this Sunday, Transfiguration Sunday, It's from Exodus chapter 24, beginning with verse 8. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant and the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet as if it were a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up with me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone and the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Second Peter, chapter 1, beginning with verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention 
as to the lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as if they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Have any children would like to come up for the children's message? Can I sit here? Is this okay? If I sit here? Morning. How are you guys? You? Joseph, good? So, got a question for you. Can pigs fly? You've never seen a pig fly? Look at it. Artwork. (laughs) You are so, so correct. Pigs cannot fly, huh? The closest you can get to a pig is probably picking up that thing and throwing it, but... That one looks like it's probably a little bit too heavy for me. But, you know, people used to say uh, that this will never happen unless pigs can fly. And basically what that means is they don't think it can ever happen, whatever it is. So in our reading today from uh, our second lesson from Second Peter, Peter talks about going up to a mountain. You guys ever been on a mountain? Don't know? Been a- You've been on a mountain? Okay. You probably have, because there's mountains all around us. So you might have been on a mountain, I would think, at least once. And so Jesus, and he goes, Peter goes up with his uh, fellow disciples and, and, and Jesus, and they go up on this mountain. And Peter, he likes to talk. You know, it's just kind of a natural thing for Peter. And he sees Jesus, and he, he sees Moses who died a long time ago, and he sees Elijah, who was taken up into heaven. And, and Peter just thinks, this is, this is such an awesome thing that I'm going to take over here. And says, Jesus, I'll build you tents. 
That means he's going to build a place for each of these three guys to sleep, Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in the sermon. I know you guys might go off to the Sunday school class, but that's okay. Um, you can ask mom and dads about that. Um, so we, this, the big, we use this big word today called transfiguration. Do you know what that means? You guys know what that means? Okay, so it's, it, it means that something's changed. And it's talking about, in this case, it's talking about Jesus, right? And so if you look way up there, can you see the picture up there? So you see Jesus up there, and he's all bright and, and white. And those guys on the ground, those are the three disciples. They, kinda, they, they got shocked, and they just fell to the ground because Jesus was bright. Like a bright, bright light. Like if you can imagine, and I'm going to talk about this too. Imagine if my face was shining as bright as the sun. Could you look at me? Probably not, huh? Because if we look too long at the sun, what happens to us? We get blinded, right? But that's how amazing it was, is that, that Jesus was transformed. And, and so that's one p- painting of what one artist thought might have looked like for the transfiguration. We can't really grasp how wonderful and how glorious it is. But Jesus did that because he's getting ready to go on his, his big mission. You know what his big mission was? Jesus' big mission, do you know what it was? I bet you do. I'll give you a hint. He walked someplace. Not a good enough hint? A little bit more? Okay. He did, he did go to the desert, but that was before this one. That was a big mission, though, too. That was a really big mission. So here, he is getting ready to walk to Jerusalem. And what's going to happen in Jerusalem is he's going to get arrested. He's going to get beaten and whipped and nailed to a cross. And then he's going to die for us. But the good news is, what happens on Easter. Now, we do that on Friday. So on Easter, what happens on Easter? Remember? The, the big stone gets rolled away, and Jesus isn't there, is he? Yeah, because he rose from the dead for us to make sure we understand that everything that happened on Friday, like you said, when he died for us, that it was acceptable to God. And all your sins are forgiven. Joseph, all your sins are forgiven. Even all of my sins are forgiven. You are so right. I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to make them wait. But good job. You did a better job. They need to know that too, right? All of us. So let's give thanks to God today for, for this day that we celebrate. But more importantly, what Jesus has done for us. Okay? Could you repeat that to me? Jesus. One day we will see you. Today, help us hear how much you love us. Today and always, make us happy with you as we look forward to our resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Let's sing our song of the day, our hymn of the day. Oh. 
Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, our text today comes from 2 Peter, the first chapter, verses 16 to 21. So many false religions of this world have followed this pattern. Someone has allegedly seen his God in some sort of supernatural way, and upon this chance encounter, he immediately sets up an altar, and he calls that place where he saw God holy. Thus, in the years to follow, people would bring some sort of sacrifice to the altar in hopes that their sacrifices would be seen as a wonderful gift and their God who would, would reappear to them and take care of them. And actually, this doesn't, this doesn't sound all that outlandish to us Christians. For the true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has appeared to his people. However, there is something the false religions lack. They lack the word. One of the major differences in the false gods are that the true triune God is that the, that the true triune God that we have continues to speak apart from anything man might do. He continues to call on his children and to bless them. The true God is not sitting in some particular place waiting for someone to bring him something he likes or a sacrifice that might appease his wrath. The true God himself has already made the one pleasing sacrifice. It was made by the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, with whom the Lord is well pleased. So now, the true God comes to us, to you and I, in places and ways very accessible to us, here, in Jesus Christ. It is where we see the true God, and Jesus reveals where the true God is, and he does that in three ways. He does that by his transfiguration, he does that by the writing of the Apostle Peter, and he does that by the cross. God has a history of revealing himself on mountains. If you remember, Moses came face to face with God and heard him speak from the burning bush 
on Mount Horeb. The fire indicated the very presence of God. And then his presence was confirmed in the word of God. God, God's presence made that ground holy. He says in Exodus 3, verse 5, he says, Take your sandals off your feet, for this place on which you are standing is holy ground. And why was it holy ground? God was there, and he said it was. He is the one who makes something holy. Later, when Moses and and Israel fled from Egypt, the glory of the Lord dwelt with them on the same mountain as it was called Sinai. A thick cloud, if you remember, appeared over it for six days, similar to the time Moses met God. Exodus 24 says the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. Centuries later, again on a high mountain, God in the flesh, Jesus reveals to Peter, James, and John, as we heard this morning, where God is. He was transfigured before the apostles' eyes. His face shone like the sun. You all know what the sun is, right? It is a big ball of fire. So imagine that. Jesus' face shone as if it was on fire, much like the burning bush that Moses saw. Have you ever thought of the transfiguration in that way? Jesus' face bright and on fire. And his clothes were likewise bright white. And a cloud also covered that mountain. And there, too, the apostles could see Moses and Elijah standing with Jesus. Moses representing the law of God and Elijah representing the prophets of God. And these men confirmed the gospel of Jesus, like saying the law and the prophets are all wrapped up in this man, Jesus. Peter suggests this. We heard this in our gospel lesson, that if you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. A tent, the tabernacle, was what God had come, had once instructed the Israelites to build. A tabernacle is a place for the Lord to dwell with the, his people that he should bless them. So Peter was saying here that these three should all equally be revered. And it is at that point that the voice of the Lord comes to them in a cloud. Matthew 17, verse 5, God speaks from heaven, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then he says, Listen to him. Peter sees. He and the fellow disciples hear. Peter hears the Father setting him straight. He says, listen to him. Who is to him? Just and only Jesus. Not all three of them. And upon hearing that, the apostles immediately understood that the whole, this was holy ground. And they are in the presence of the very Holy One. Thus they hit the dirt with their faces. God is telling the apostles that the word Jesus speaks is what the Father speaks. And John tells us that in, in John 8, 26. What Jesus does is what the Father has ordained him to do. And he does it for you and me. 
Now the disciples knew that where Jesus and his word are, there is a holy place. The Lord was there through it all. This was really simply a glimpse of heaven. Peter and his fellows were eyewitnesses of an awesome sight, and Jesus touched them. Essentially, he said, here I am. And if you remember anything about the Old Testament, I am is Yahweh. And I am is with them, not just in word, but also physically touching them. Jesus has revealed to them that the presence of God is where he, Jesus, is. He says again, here I am. And Jesus reveals where the true God is by his transfiguration. And all this talk about the transfiguration is not some cleverly devised myth. Peter assures us in his writing, verses 16 and 18 of, his, of our text, he says, no, he and James and John were simply eyewitnesses. They were there. They looked at Jesus. They looked at Moses. They looked at Elijah. And their testimony is true. Peter knows with certainty that Jesus indeed has made the mountain holy by being there. Matthew and Mark call it a holy mountain. Luke called it the mountain, and Peter, Peter proclaims it to be the holy mountain because he himself was there to see Jesus transfigured on it. So then, why not erect an altar there as the false religions do, simply based on a claim of a vision? We don't build it because it's not only Jesus is present, invisibly appearing, that makes the place holy. Yes, Peter and James and John had seen a vision. They saw the incarnate Jesus in a glorified state. They saw Moses and Elijah standing beside Jesus. They saw God, but they also heard him. They were immediately directed to Jesus' words. They were to listen to him. You and I are to listen to him. Peter knew that, that where the word of God is, there is the holiness of God. In fact, Peter writes, we have something more sure than visions. We have the written scriptures of God, inspired authors, such as Peter. That's verse 19 and 21 of our text. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, moved Peter to write all this about the presence and about the glory of God in Christ Jesus himself. We need not visit some holy mountain or a revival in Asbury in order to have the true God revealed to us. Jesus reveals the true God to us wherever the scriptures of Peter or Matthew or Moses or Paul are read and heard. And finally, Jesus reveals where the true God is by his cross. As Peter and the apostles were descending the mountain with Jesus, he told them where the transfiguration was headed. Jesus instructed them in a way, and the way, that they would all go. They would follow Jesus in the way of the cross. Jesus had come into this world for this. The true God, the word, became flesh specifically in order to suffer and to die for you, for me, for everyone. 
he would have to be counted as a sinner so that we could be counted as holy ones. And after Jesus is raised from the dead, the apostles preached precisely that. They preached so that you and I could hear, hear that the cross of wood that Jesus made bloody with his own blood was made so on account of your sins and mine. Hear that there is now a mountain yet more holy. It goes by the name of Calvary because the Holy One of God was hung on the cross there. Peter preaches to you and I not to follow cunningly devised myths, but to repent of our sins and to receive this holy, innocent, bitter suffering and death of Jesus' cross for our forgiveness. Our God is there. He is there for you and me for the forgiveness of our sins, precisely where he has promised to be, where he promises to deliver his cross to you and you to his cross. And he will continue to be on the holy mountain of the altar for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. In the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, he comes with his cross to you and for you. And he says, here I am. He has promised to be there for you too in the waters of holy baptism. There you are buried with Christ into his death to receive the robe of his righteousness. In Christ's word of forgiveness preached to you in holy absolution applied to you, you have the same forgiveness of the cross. Jesus reveals the true God to you. That same forgiving presence of the Lord, wherever his word, wherever his sacraments bring you to the cross. The Apostle Peter is pointing us today to where we can know the true God. Moses and the prophets of old have always testified that the place to look is the one and only Jesus Christ. And that was confirmed to Peter in the transfiguration of our Lord, where he saw and heard the Son of God veiled in the flesh of man, who said, here I am. And so now today, you see, you hear the true God in the same, in the same Jesus, in the holy word of scriptures, and in the sacraments. It is here that he is, the one for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us rise and together let us profess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God.
Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for revealing to the world your goodness and mercy and the gift of your beloved Son. Being of one substance with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, he has revealed your glory chiefly in his sacrifice on the cross for the life of the world. Make us certain that because he died and lives again, we and all who trust in him are now given eternal life in the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, in your mercy. By your word and spirit, rule and govern your holy church throughout the world and her pastors and ministers in order that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word and may be strengthened in faith and love. Send forth laborers into your harvest that your kingdom be extended to all nations. Lord, in your mercy. Grant your help and protection to all who are in the authority of government. Bless our country that righteousness and peace abound, that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort with your Holy Spirit all who are in trouble, want, sickness, or adversity, that they may receive healing of body and mind and peace in their souls. And especially this morning, we lift up to you Steve and Mary Westall, Barbara Freitas, Jaden, and and Bob Morrison, uh, Peggy Downing, Bob Gaines, who is now in the ICU, and the Edie's son, Bryant, and Doreen's cousin, Rick. Bless all medical professions and emergency workers and all who supply the needy in any way. Lord, in your mercy. We give thanks for all your prophets and apostles who have faithfully delivered your word through the ages and for all your witnesses who have gone before us and are now with you in your divine presence. Keep us in the sure faith and hope of your word that we may one day look upon our Savior face to face in the glory of eternal life. Lord, in your mercy. In your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who at his transfiguration revealed his glory to his disciples, that they might be strengthened to proclaim his cross and resurrection, and with all the faithful, look forward to the glory of life everlasting. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and singing. Father, who art in heaven, 
Our Lord Jesus Christ, the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after having given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, drink. This is the cup of the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Please rise. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this solitary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us with the same in faith towards you and in fervent love for one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. On this day, hallelujahs are sung for the last time in church until the resurrection of our Lord. Hallelujah is not heard during Lent as we turn in penitence to the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ to be renewed in our baptismal faith. Though every Sunday is a little Easter, we restrain our praise until Easter Sunday when all of Christendom joins in singing hallelujahs to our King. Let us now raise our voices in song as we anticipate not only our coming Easter celebration, but that the ultimate feast of victory when we shall sing hallelujah with saints and angels, cherubim and seraphim, Moses and Elijah, apostles and martyrs, prophets and all the company of heaven, before the Lamb on his throne. We sing Alleluia, Song of Gladness.
Amen. Please be seated. We have announcements this morning. Just a quick announcement. Ash Wednesday is Wednesday this week, and we will start our soup supper uh, tradition. Next and, Right? Next week. Oh, we're not going to start this week. Yeah, yeah. Soup supper starts the week after. Oh, that. I'm sorry. Then I'll just wait on that. Okay. Look next week's schedule in the bulletin for who brings soup, who brings salads. Thanks, Mark. I just wanted to make another quick reminder that uh, next Sunday we are having David Garrett here from Jews for Jesus, and he's going to be doing a presentation of Christ in the Passover. And I think today's uh, sermon with the transfiguration and everything kind of brought together how the Old Testament and the New Testament really do jive, you know, with Moses and Elijah. And uh, I had heard that one time, and I really like it, where the... New Testament is buried in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is revealed and resurrected in the New Testament. So I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks, Rachel. Nine o'clock. <laughs> just as a reminder, good morning, everybody. Um, just as a reminder, we're going to be doing the stretching um, fitness class this Thursday in the Narthex. For, I mean, the fellowship hall. We're resuming that again. So. Come one, come all. Thanks, Vicki. This is co-ed, right? Vicki? It's co-ed. Co-ed, okay. Good morning. Um, I will be starting Junior Bible Study Sunday, March 5th, 1045, during the Adult Bible Study, and we'll be doing it in the, what is that room called? The Youth Room. So I hope... All youth can join me. I will do junior high, but if anybody else feels comfortable, they can come and sit in with us. Thanks, Tyler. And the senior high meets uh, in Nate's old office. The little library, conference room, many different names. All right, so I might repeat some. Are there any other announcements? I might repeat some, but that's okay. So Wednesday, it starts Lent. Ash Wednesday, and we're doing things, things, things a little different since we have a lot of people that are unable to come to church, and, and many who can't come at seven o'clock. At eight in the morning and at twelve noon, we're having a a service of imposition of ashes. It's just it's a short service, confession, absolution, and then the imposition of the ashes for those of you who can't make the seven o'clock, or some people like to come early and then maybe they'll come at seven o'clock too. 7 o'clock is our full-blown Ash Wednesday service with the imposition of ashes, with the Lord's Supper, um, sermon. Sorry, sermon. So, um, remember, you heard, right? God's alive in the preached word. Um, so that's at 7 o'clock. Um, so mark your calendar. If you can't come at 7 o'clock, come by at 8, 8 in the morning, 12 at noon, and well, maybe ashes as well as forgiveness of sin and absolution. Um, so that's Wednesday. 
against, and then Sunday, as Rachel said, David Garrett, who, by the way, is a member of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod and works for Jews for Jesus, will present um, basically the Seder meal, Jesus' last meal, if you will, a full-blown meal with his disciples. Uh, and that'll be um, in, in our service. And so March 1st is when the soup suppers start. That's at 5.30, and followed by the Lenten services at 7. And here's, here's our, th- our theme is God's mercy. Um, and so Wednesday's theme is mercy and ashes. Following week is mercy and temptation. Following week is mercy and suffering. The following week is mercy and betrayal. Um, then we have mercy and relationship, relationships, and then mercy and service. And that'll take us up to Holy Week and Holy Week. We, we continue the theme of, God, theme of God's mercy, but it'll be looking at Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and of course, Easter Sunday. And then on Sunday, March 4th, at 4 in the afternoon, the Capella um, Choir from Concordia, Chicago will be here for a concert. That's at 4 p.m. Um, bring your neighbors, bring your friends, bring your enemies. Uh, anybody who needs to, to hear the gospel lifted up through voice. Um, and if you didn't catch it, capella means they're a cappella. So no instruments. You're going to just love the, their voices. We still need uh, three homes. Um, who could put up two kids? Um, and uh, if so, the sign-up's in the back room. And, and all that entails is you... you uh, bring them home after the concert. You give them a bed, and and this Con- Concordia said they can be, you either take two boys or two girls or two young men and two young women, I guess, to put a bit more better, because they're college students and they they are allowed to sleep in the same bed. So if you only have one bedroom, you can take home two kids. Um, you feed them in the morning and have them back here at church by 7:30. So Monday morning, because they have to take off for their next next stop, which is in the Bay Area. Uh, Cupertino, if I remember correctly. All right, I don't know. Did I forget anything? Also silent right now. Where's all the smiles? You know. So I did. I forget one. Coffee, treats, go that way. And then at ten forty-five, our Bible study on the Book of Romans. Come join us. And it doesn't matter if you missed any classes or haven't come to any. Just come anyway and join us. Also. As you all leave, look for somebody you haven't seen for a long time or maybe, ever, maybe never, ever seen, and go say hi and say Jesus loves you. Let's go in peace and serve the Lord.